Greetings, people of the internet. I am Chris. And I'm Tamara. And welcome to our third episode of Stargating. We are taking a journey through the wormhole this week with episode three of SG-1, The Enemy Within. Mm -hmm. Not to be confused with that movie, Name the Enemy Within, or that other movie, Name the Enemy Within. Uh, I think there's a video game, Name the Enemy Within. No, yeah. that's the Evil Within. Yeah, Evil Within, not Enemy Within. Yeah, it's a, it's a very generic title, but it's actually a surprise. Spoiler alert! Really great episode. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I guess you don't have to listen to the whole spiel now. Okay, bye guys. Yeah, it's, uh, good, it's a good you. episode. All right, good. bye. No, it's <laughs> um, so uh, we do want to say that we are taking precautions because of coronavirus. Yes. Um, we're going to talk about it as briefly as possible because it makes both of us anxious. Uh, but all of our production has been moved online as much as it possibly can, uh, including the stuff with Shay. So our official that's a space station. Uh, podcast. And you should and know everybody here is safe and healthy and yeah, washing and our hands way too much. Well, no, the appropriate amount for a pandemic. But it is, Chris and I live together. So we are quarantined together. We don't, we're not like sick. We're just staying in the house and avoiding people. Which is um, not that dissimilar from when the world works normally. Yes, we do that for the most part normally, except for our Dungeons and Dragons sessions, which have all been moved online. So yeah, we, we are taking the appropriate precautions and we hope you are too. And now, that's all we're going to talk about it. We're done now. We're going to move on. Uh, which, we're going to talk about this episode. This is the third episode, technically. Uh, so we are now back on track. Uh, because the the first episode was a two-parter that you watched together, and then this is episode three. Which makes it our third episode, so Which from is now nice. on we'll so, be kind of so now we're simpatico with the episode order. Yes, we will be in sync until we get to Atlantis, and then we will be wildly out of sync. because Now, Atlantis like... begins in Stargate's seventh season? Uh something like that oh are we gonna alternate are i don't know it's a it? very it's a very tng ds9 situation where they both ran concurrently but we'll I mean, figure it we out we could alternate i would be okay with that that could be kind of fun yeah we'll figure that out later but I, i'm kind of into that idea uh but we're not talking about that yet because that's pretty far away still yes <laughs> we still uh, have we, a lot of we still have Five, four or five really great seasons of television to get through. Yeah. And this episode, which is very good. Uh, the yes. Enemy Within. So we'll just swing right into it. Yes. Yeah. So this is The Enemy Within. Uh, this is the third episode of Stargate. Uh, so brief synopsis of this episode. Our boy Kowalski gets a ghoul inside of him. Uh, and the episode alternates between a sort of tense cat and mouse with this ghoul staying hidden from the rest of the base. And then a medical drama, basically, of them trying to figure out how to remove this thing and the surgery. Yeah, and also, like, a political tug-of-war between that dickbag. What's his name? Kennedy? Is that his name? Yeah, Kennedy. Yes, Kennedy. He's a dick. But it starts with adorable Kowalski and Jack Banter. Mm -hmm. uh, to show you what well, you're going to be missing. It opens, the very first thing that it opens on is uh, Hammond pointing at that Star Wars board. Yes. And you're going to get very familiar with that ooh, shot. Ooh. Uh, also, just saying we have a, a title sequence in yes. this episode for the first time. Yeah, that's you're going to get very familiar it. with that shot of him pointing at the Star Wars board because it's used in the opening credits for the next five <laughs> seasons, at least as long as Hammond is around. It's, it's you know, it's a good Good shot. It makes them look authoritative. Everybody always looks good when they're pointing at a Star Wars board. <laughs> yes, I would agree with you there. Uh, I really like how they're they're pointing it out, and he goes uh, the the two planets. They have very similar names because it's like the first couple that they've spit out from mm -hmm. uh, Carter's program, <clears throat> and. They're going, oh, well, why don't you take this one? I'll take this one. He goes, no, 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 I had my heart set on this one. And they're like bantering back and forth about which one they're going to take. And then Hammond goes, you'll take the one I assign you. Yeah, no, he's, his specific <laughs> line, I really like it, is how about you go where I tell you? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> so, I, I really like that. So they're bantering and it shows their relationship. And it, it, I mean, honestly, this is a really good episode, but it shows what could have been. 
Mm-hmm. Right? It shows what we could have had, which yeah. is Kowalski and Jack. Yeah, because you don't really answer. get too much with the other SG teams unless it's like a big op or just kind of like background filler. Like they're yeah. like, we'll stick by and watch the gate. Yeah. You don't really get too much later on with the other major SG teams. And that was kind of, I think that would have been really cool to have a closer relationship with another SG team. Like SG2. Yeah. You would be really closely like in touch with SG2 in reality. Yeah, and you also kind of want to make sure and establish that like these other SG teams are, like that our main SG1 is the norm, not the exception to these other SG teams, that they're all equally as talented. They're all very talented. And and also as, you know, as diplomatic and stuff. Yeah, like if they would have like a mix and mm-hmm. like I would love one that had a usually on it. this is this is uh, this is a, a brave choice for a second episode too. I think because normally with like a second episode of a TV show, you want to kind of establish the. Uh, the, the 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 framework of the of the show, right? So right. usually the next episode would be them going to a planet, getting into an adventure, which is what we're kind of going to see for the but rest of the show. But instead we get more of a bottle episode. Yeah, this is very insular. There's another detail too that's really good in the start here, which is the Goulds are assaulting the base every 30 minutes or so. Yes, they, sh- they set up a lot of really good stuff in this, this mm-hmm. first part. They set up the self-destruct yes. for when the... Wormhole opens if you don't have the iris code and you just go through, you smash against the iris. Uh, But if you, like, are attacking or something, they have a self-destruct that goes off in three minutes, I think he said. And it requires two people to turn it off. And it automatically starts. Uh, he just goes, start the, the code, and then they start it. So it's, that's really good because they're like, yeah. hey, if something happens... It's a dead man's Yeah, we're fucking blowing everything up. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going with us. Uh, and then they... they keep going through and they keep hitting the iris, so you just keep hearing thunk and it's very satisfying. Yes. Well, I think they established later that they are sending probably energy bolts or weapons through, like yes. bombs or something, because Teal'c says they'll assume your, your their weapons have destroyed you. Yes. Uh, because if they were sending men, A, if those men don't return, they would know that like they didn't make it. Uh, and B... Um, you know, they would probably send something through the gate to... Well, you remember the the ball from the first episode? Yes. They yeah, probably sent that. It's probably a bunch of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's really great because they're they're going... Oh, they're, they're still going at it. And that scene... We'll get to that scene because mm-hmm. I have things to talk about in that scene. I love Tilk so much. Um, but when they're attacking, they go... I don't know who says it, but somebody says, uh, part of me wants to just let them in and fight them. And you'd lose. Mm-hmm. Right? You'd lose. You'd lose badly. Well, yes. Yeah. So, like, don't do that. Well, <laughs> I guess they would lose, but what we've seen is, like, small arms fire machine guns trying to take them on. I'm, like, wondering if they just set up, like, a couple giant Vulcan Catling guns and just bottlenecked them at the Stargate. I'm sure they would take a bunch down with them, but they'd still lose. They're yeah, not. That's advanced. the whole point, yeah. right? They have to find allies. That's why the Asgard mm-hmm. are such a big deal. Which, this, oh, I can't wait for the Asgard. This plot device too. It's it's really interesting because it's like um, it reminds me a lot of this first official episode of Battlestar Galactica, where it's the same situation where every thirty three minutes they're attacked and then they have to escape and then they have to reset the clock. And this episode. I want to give it like high praise for doing the like just as much of the tension of that first episode where you are worried that the attacks, you know, are going to restart. Everybody's just sitting around counting down the clock until mm-hmm. it restarts. Uh, that's a good feature. They kind of drop it halfway through, but uh, it does make for well, a really solid, changes. interesting first half. The yes. whole point of the episode changes. So mm-hmm. that's why. And also it's kind of great because it proves that Tilk's. And like Intel is legit. Yes. Because he told them they'll send a couple more. They'll assume that their their weapons have, have attacked you and then they won't like send anybody. They'll send yeah, a no, Teal'c is fully helping them. Yes. Yeah. So he's on board. He's on Team Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we and get our. Sam gets to be really smart with her yes. microns and her explosions. Mm-hmm. She's like, so many microns and explosions. And you're like, ah, oh, Sam. Yeah. Getting to do some nerd stuff. Mm-hmm. I love Sam. Then we get our first official 
opening title. Yes, first what do you think title of the sequence. Season one titles. It's good. It's a great. I I really miss like kind of a little longer opening for your your TV show, and it's working because we're not binging it. If we were binging it, it would get annoying. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's a kind of a longer title sequence and, and the music is great. Yeah, it really sets the mood, sets you yeah, up for the tone of the show. Yeah, it's like a grand space adventure. And I love that. I uh, Sci-fi is so great. And this is some really great sci-fi. So it's it sets the tone. It makes you feel good. And it's also really fun to hear directly after like a witty one liner from Jack or something. Because mm-hmm. it's like Jack says something funny and then do do. It's funny you say sci-fi is so great, too, because this is, I think, the first because the two parter was specifically on the Showtime network. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first episode, I think, that aired on Sci-Fi Channel, which mm. would be the home of this franchise for the next 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And then they haven't done anything with it since. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah. Well, that's why we're yeah. talking about it. Because yes, yes, bring it back. Bring it back. Give me some sort of Stargate. And Do not a, a terrible reboot. web show. Do a full reboot. Just do a full reboot. Just commit to it. Do a full reboot. Yeah. New aliens. Mm-hmm. Do something new. Just keep the Stargate concept and anyway. And, well, yeah. we'll, we'll have we'll save that for a minisode. Our pitch <laughs> on the reboot for ooh, we could do that. As we could a do a minisode. Stargating minisode. That on would our, be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should do that. But yeah, so great title sequence, and then uh, Hammond. He, you get the scene where Jack and Hammond talk about Teal'c joining the team, and Hammond's like, "I'm down for it," but you know, this dickbag wants to come and take him because he's the only example of the alien that we're fighting, which I would agree with him if he weren't such a dickbag about it. Yes. Yes. He's just like a giant asshole. The government is is like, no, Tilt can't join your team because we're going to have to talk to him a whole bunch and, and maybe dissect him. I mean, he claims he's not going to dissect him, but we all know he wants to dissect him. And then Jack is an A-plus friend because he tries his hardest, but he has limited power because he's just a colonel. Yes. Yeah. So he can't really do anything about it. Like he says to Hammond, He's like a recently reactivated colonel. Yeah, and Hammond hears him out, but he just, at the end of the day, he can't do anything about it. And he just says, like, I can't do anything about it, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a lie, because later he just calls the president. She could just call the president, but I guess he doesn't want to do that yet. I guess he's like, wants to hold off on just calling the president for everything. But I think that just ends up being what he does all the time later, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm dealing with this. And then. Someone like Kinsey. Ugh, Kinsey. Well, I guess if you're the person that the president has directly put in charge of the massive extraterrestrial gateway that can significantly advance or destroy humanity, you probably have a lot of faith in him and he probably has your cell number. Yeah. Do you, is he a four or five star general? He's a the four star general. I don't think there's a five star general. Oh, there isn't? I don't no. know. Don't four know. star is the top tier, yes. Okay, so he's the highest of generals. Yeah. yeah, he's. And this, isn't this Kennedy guy a colonel or like a major? I think he's major, yes. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> like, just go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go, I'll go to my superiors. He says that a lot. Um, I don't like this guy. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've noticed, Chris. Well, it's, uh, do you know what I think that is? This is 1997, right? Yeah. Uh, this guy is there on behalf of a congressional committee. Congress at the time, I'm pretty sure, was Republican because they were trying to impeach Bill Clinton, Mm. who was the Democratic president, who Hammond is appointed by the Democratic president. Oh, okay. I, you know, that may not be the case at all. Like it could be, could Billy, be it was a dick. in this universe, the president could be like Billy Joe Bland or something like that. You know, right. like it, yeah. it doesn't have to be Bill doesn't Clinton, have to be Bill but Clinton. like it's pretty much like at this point, if they're not saying otherwise, 1997, Bill it's Bill Clinton on the yes. other end of that phone. Yeah. So but then he goes to see Teal'c, right? He goes to talk to Teal'c after he talks to Hammond and he walks in and, and Teal'c is so great and also very understanding. And he goes, uh, they they keep attacking and he goes, they'll stop soon. And yeah, they stop soon. Like they have a little scene later where Sam and, and mm-hmm. Daniel talk about it. First instance of Kelnarim. Not, yes. not named. Yes. They don't say it, but he's. He's clearly doing it. He's mm-hmm. clearly in the middle of Kelno Reem, which is great. And it's a nice little 
flash forward to what we're going to see later. And also, Christopher Judge is really playing a Spock kind of character. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was um, what I had that moment in the uh, the opening titles Mm -hmm. because they have, you know, Christopher Judge as Teal can have different images of him through later in the series and there's the one image of him where he's like looking down he's got like tears in his eyes and he's kind of crying and emoting and that was the moment I was like oh right Teal's not Spock and like (laughs) this first episode well he doesn't really say much in the first one but in the second one he's very much playing Spock well he's He's stoic. He's not emotionless Mm because he shows a little bit of emotion, but he's very like deadpan and very reserved. So it's kind of Spock. Like it kind of comes off as Spock in Mm -hmm. the beginning. They really get the handle on these characters later. That's why I have to call out Brian Glasner uh, or no, Brad Wright. uh, One of the two who um, said very specifically when they were creating this show that they didn't want it to be uh, a Star Trek. Uh, Yeah, sure, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) So earlier, a little bit earlier, we kind of skipped over it. Uh, Kowalski was complaining about headaches. Yes. And Jack sends him to the infirmary and he, he asks Hammond permission. Hammond goes, yep, go get checked out. So he goes to the doctor and the doctor's giving him a checkup and he's going over like regular questions and he goes, we have to like be sure that this isn't a side effect of gate travel. This is like the the unnamed one-time Asian doctor that they have, right? Yes, he, well, because he died. Well, no, he named him because he says Dr. So-and-so was supposed to be on duty. We just didn't pay attention to remember. Yeah, we just didn't remember his name. Uh, R.I.P. Doctor who was definitely named whose name we don't remember. So he he's at the doctor and the doctor at the last minute he's checking the back of his neck and he sees this bump and he goes, huh, what's this? And immediately I was like, doctor man, why would you do that? Why would you say that? Mm-hmm. Don't say that, right? Just, and then he gets attacked and killed and he gets murderized and Kowalski's going to feel really bad about that later. Mm-hmm. Because he murdered a man. Another awesome line. Hit him in a closet. Yes. Another awesome line from the scene earlier that I wanted to highlight was uh, when like Teal'c's like, uh, you know, oh, your people have every right to fear me. And Jack says to him like, Teal'c, I saw you stand up to a god. Which is like, yeah, it's really powerful because, yeah, that's to Teal'c, that guy was a god. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. and Teal'c had the bravery it's to stand up. It's magic to him. Yeah, because they sit him down later and they ask him and he's like, I, you know, our people don't know anything about their magic. Yeah, how it works, because they're not allowed to learn mm. about it, because if they learned about it, then they would know it wasn't magic. So Dr. Deadmeat is dead. Yeah, he's dead. He dies. R.I.P. Dr. Deadmeat. I'm sure you could look on the Wikipedia page and find his name. We have the Wikipedia page up. It's easy to help us along with plot. What's his name? Dr. Nimziki. What? His- N-I-M-Z-I-C-K-I. Oh, I'm sure you're butchering that, the pronunciation. Nimziki? Nim- How else Zaki? would you pronounce it? There's no A. Oh. Z- Nimz- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to try either. Whatever. He has a whole, apparently he has a whole page on the fan wiki. He does? Of course. His biography is very short. Is and it the a only, stub? Then the only two pictures of him are from the scenes where he's killed and then when he's dead. <laughs> Uh, it's even it's even um, it's even pointed out underneath the caption Nimziki's corpse. Oh, <laughs> thank oh. you, Wikipedia. Well, that's yeah. sad. Yeah, so he dies. Kennedy kills him, uh, or sorry, uh, Kowalski kills him, and then hides him in the closet. And Kennedy's a colonel, by the way, as well. Oh, he's colonel. So Kennedy. he's the same rank as Jack. Yeah. What's Kowalski? Uh, Kowalski is a major. Major. I think. major yeah, he's Kowalski. a major. So he's just below Jack. Okay. So he's going to feel really bad later. And then they see him and he's standing in the gate room, which is what I'm going to call it. Because what they call it in this episode is the embarkation room. It's accurate. But it's you terrible. <laughs> it's a bad name. Gate room is much better. Mm-hmm. It's cooler. <laughs> huh? It's cooler. Yes, it it's sounds just, cooler. It's, drop the the. It's just gate room. It yeah. sounds cooler. Gate room is cooler. So, yeah. So then Kennedy is is talking to Teal because he 
he shows up to talk to Teal'c and Jack comes in and he goes permission to barge in sir and it's like yeah granted <laughs> he just comes in and sits down <laughs> so it's like alright yeah sure well he has every right he is a colonel yeah uh, that's true and then he spells uh, Teal'c's name which is really great helps the audience yeah helps the audience helps me <laughs> because he, he goes it's a T-E-A-L apostrophe C and you're like great now I know how his name is spelt. Um, also, uh, fantasy slash sci-fi trope of putting apostrophes in names. I do love it. I do it myself. <laughs> well, it's it's a good way to give you the pause break so that you can say like, like if you were to spell his name phonetically, it would, teal would probably be the first part, but k would be k e k. Yeah. Tilka. Tilka. I guess. <laughs> Also, I just want to point out that this show would be super interesting from Tilk's perspective. Yes. If if this show was redone, but it was redone from Tilk's perspective or an alien like Tilk. Uh, well, the good thing really um, uh, with the show, the good thing with the show is that you get a lot from Tilk's perspective later on. They really develop his character through his personal episodes. I think the first time you really get a sense of him as an individual is, I think it's a season one episode, but the one where he is hallucinating and escapes and is running around earth. Yeah. I, I remember that episode. That's a pretty good episode. What I really like is in this scene, because this is the scene where Kennedy is talking to Teal'c and he's trying to find out information about the Gwauld. And he asks him, well, how do their ships work? And he goes, I don't know. And he goes, how do their weapons work? And he goes, I don't know. What are their power source? Like he's asking all these reasonable questions and Teal'c doesn't know any of it because it's forbidden for him to learn about their magic. And then he goes, well, you can tell he's disappointed. Like this isn't helpful to him, right? None of this information is, giving him any assistance but this is also the scene where you find out one that all of these quote-unquote aliens that we're gonna meet throughout the series all look like humans because earth is the original planet that they took slaves from the tauri we are the tauri uh so you find that out which is like a big deal and then teal says you are their greatest hope it's like no pressure there man teal is rewarded for his conviction already just by the iris existing yeah because he compliments it he says they cannot get through your iris uh is truly an ingenious device it's obviously something that the gold never thought of or mm-hmm. had the capability to build like, well, they probably have the ability to make it but they probably just i never think thought that of it. i think that goes towards what's later established with the asgards where they get jack and they say specifically to jack we can't can't beat the replicators because we are thinking too high. Uh, what we need is someone who can think of stuff that is stupid. Yes, because <laughs> because like- they're impressed by bullets. Yeah, because they use electric uh, energy devices. And the replicators can absorb it, but humans have taken a small piece of metal, packed an explosive powder around it, and then fitted it into a device that's just designed to ignite that powder and propel that metal forward. Yeah. So it's the same thing with the iris, where, you know, the Gould are like, ah, we can't think of, the only thing we can think of is burying the gate, which doesn't make, you know, it work. And humanity's just like, yo, bro, we could put a lid on it. <laughs> like a Tupperware. Tater, don't forget to burp. <laughs> That's, yeah, like scientists were like, hmm, how can we keep aliens? Well, maybe because we have cameras and shit too, right? And the kidnapping iris, women. The idea of an iris or the idea of a metal iris like that, you know, might come from a camera, which is a technology that the Gould have no use for. Yeah, and like, why would we need to take pictures of ourselves? We yeah. live forever. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Basically. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Like, essentially. I mean, they don't live forever, but they kind of live forever. It's, it's an ingenious thing, and he compliments it, and he mentions it. And it's really great foreshadowing for stuff we do later, where mm-hmm. other aliens are like, well, you're kind of dumb, but you also come up with really cool solutions to problems. So, yes, 
Please help Because us. you're not afraid to do dangerous, irresponsible things. Yes. Um, but yeah, so the whole scene is is really good because it's it's talking to Teal'c and finding out more about Teal'c and the Jaffa and, and what his whole deal is. And then we have a little scene between Sam and Daniel so that we are reminded that Daniel exists. Yes. Because Daniel has nothing to do this episode. And the only thing Sam does this episode is get kidnapped. Doesn't he get to reiterate once again that like he's worried about his wife? Yes, oh, right. During the does. surgery about, where he's just yeah. like, he's like watching this important man and this friend of uh, this close friend of one of the people who saved his life many times. And his only and thought is he helped save his planet. Remember, Kowalski yes. was there the first time. Yes. So, and, and like, he's just like, oh, man, this would be great works, if this works for my wife. Yes. He's like, if this works, that means I can save Share. And it's like. Yeah, no, he has nothing we to do know. this episode. We know you you're worried about him. Uh I literally wrote Dan, still only worried about his wife, not his brother-in-law. Yep. <laughs> Just only allowed to worry about one character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then they split up, the two of them split up. Uh they and in that little scene is when they mentioned that the attacks have stopped. Uh so confirming Teal's intel that he gave Jack before. Yes. They split up. And Daniel goes to the medical supply closet for a reason. I think he's just, it's the bunk bedroom. I think he's oh, just yeah. going for a nap. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to go. Because I think he literally lies down and then that hand drops into frame. Yeah, so then he looks up and he finds the, the dead doctor, which is sad. And like, you Poor think. Poor Dr. Nimziki. You think someone would have patrolled that. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, maybe. You didn't well, no, here's the question. Uh, how far away is that room from the medical office where he killed the guy? And how was he able to just haul that body through a hallway that is usually like pretty heavily trafficked Especially by guards? Especially considering they've been constantly <clears throat> under attack was, Did he do the rug while? trick? Was he just, did he just have the rug? <laughs> I'm do just moving this rug. Do rugs there? <laughs> like, do they have rugs on, on the base? I don't know. Um... <laughs> It was Hammond's rug from his office. He had to go steal it first. So he was in the gate room and they found him in the gate room. So they send him back to the infirmary Mm -hmm. and the other doctor comes in and he's like, I don't know. So-and-so is supposed to be on call and like, sorry, it took me a while to get here. And then he goes, well, I'm going to do an MRI because you're getting these headaches. Now you've had a blackout. So we're going to do an MRI. And this doctor is slightly smarter than the last doctor. Because he hits that button right away. Well, he sees it on the MRI and he goes, Okay. And then he gets up and he doesn't immediately go, what is that? Yeah. He goes, plays it cool. Come on, Kowalski. We're going to get you to the, I'm going to take you off active duty for now. And then Kowalski like freaks out. Well, no, his eyes glow. And as soon as his eyes glow, he's like, ah, shit. I've been found out. So he He slams that alarm button. Yeah. He slams the alarm button, which is like the first person to do that and is smart. And he lives for it. Wow. It's almost like if you sound a red alert when creepy shit is happening in your base it helps you Mm -hmm. like you know in the movie or in the opening scene of this one yes the 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 first First episode episode. where she gets kidnapped (laughs) like (laughs) um so yeah sam gets captured um again no No, for the first time first time she get captured again next episode or the episode after. I can't remember. No, the episode next episode. Yeah, next episode. Um, and uh, it's like, why couldn't Jackson have gotten captured? He's a civilian, mm-hmm. right? Like she could. She's also has nothing to do in this episode after he found that. Exactly. Body. You could have gotten him captured. You could have had him turn around and see Kowalski standing behind him. And then Kowalski captures da- Jackson. Mm-hmm. You could have done Jackson getting. Ca- He's literally a civilian. With no hand-to-hand combat training or anything, which Sam would have. Like, sure, she probably can't overwhelm him in force, but she could probably flip him over her head. And then she gets knocked out because she gets slammed against a wall. She gets thrown against the elevator wall because he's gonna he's gonna leave with her. And then he comes to after she falls unconscious. And uh, I think this is a really good way to introduce your alien species bad guy in a more personal way. Yes. Uh, because 
also give you more rules on how it works. Yes, like he has genetic memory. The, the aliens have genetic memory. There is something of the host that survives because later on he manages to use the code to shut off the uh, or turn on the self-destruct sequence. Yes. They establish a lot in this episode for your future episodes and things that will come up later. And they do it in a personal way with a person that you care about from both the movie and the um, the TV show as you've seen it so far. I know he wasn't really a character much in the movie outside of like... Uh, kind of a bully. Yeah, he wasn't really that much of a bully compared to French Stewart. But um, he, I think the actor in this TV show is better. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, this guy, he's hes great. Apparently too good for this TV show, but... Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Sad. Yeah. I think sad. we see him like again in like some kind of like alternate timeline, weird future type of deal. I think so. Yeah. I still sad, but you, you get so much too, because like after this happens, he's restrained and he's in the hospital, like the infirmary. He's crying mm-hmm. and he's admitting that he's scared and Jack is, is comforting him and trying to make him feel better. And it's all of this, like, men helping men and being emotional and and showing feelings. Yeah, this is... And I am here uh, for it. This is, like... Well, because this is the third episode, but this is still written by Wright and Glasner, who did come off of more of the dramatic, more adult side of television production, right? They were doing Outer Limits and Dead Man's Gun and, and like, those those Showtime dark uh, adult anthology series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, classic, uh, not classic, but well, the classic would be the 1950s, but 90s Outer Limits is boss as hell. It's pretty good. It, I remember yeah. watching some episodes. So many great episodes that yeah. are awesome. I remember watching a few episodes that I liked quite a bit. Yeah, I think in the 90s, uh, Outer Limits was uh, the go-to anthology show. Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of really awesome episodes, and they wrote a lot of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I appreciate uh, some good creepiness yep this this episode plays a lot like that it plays a lot like a darker outer limits episode yeah and he's appropriately upset about losing control of his body yeah it's a nightmare it's like a nightmare he's not just ho-hum i've been impregnated by an alien deanna Um, (laughs) no big but like he's all holy crap like i'm being taken over i'm losing control of my body it's horrifying i don't know what i'm doing and he's crying and he's being comforted by jack and he's saying he's he's in that brain surgery gimbal yeah and then meanwhile teal's over here is a suspect they're like we need to check your guauld to make sure that you still have the larva Mm -hmm. because they don't know at this point like that he can't live without it i guess i am 100 percent certain even though we didn't see it because of the version of the episode we watched i'm 100 percent certain that in like the original cut of the two-parter episode there is a scene where kowalski is like running and i think he falls and like another kid or Jafar or something is around him and the ghoul comes out and goes into his head and he describes that moment in this episode like that's what he says happened is he was helping some kid and then he felt like a pinch in the back of his neck and he just thought he strained his neck but he was like oh no it was it was a it was a monster that went into my neck so the Sucks version the version that we saw didn't have that. No, because it's uh the version we saw was just the Space Channel rebroadcast normal cut for television, the one that's cut down that doesn't have the full frontal nudity, unfortunately. I think if they had stuck with that for the show, they probably would have been canceled a lot sooner. <laughs> Yes. Like just every, there's just a shower scene with Amanda tapping every episode. (laughs) Oh no, Amanda tapping. (laughs) No. Or like, no, we introduce, we introduce like Katie the Yeoman and her only thing is to bring people coffee and have the shower scene for every episode. Ah, well, no, I don't think any of that should have happened. I think it's fine. The way it is. <laughs> yeah. So Kowalski is acting his ass off here because he's, you know, talking about how. Now you're being weirdly horny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did I throw off your whole thing? Yes, you did. That was, yeah. 
I'm not uh, denying the charges. I'm just disputing their validity. So anyway, yeah, Kowalski is saying to Jack, he's essentially giving Jack his living will that if he doesn't wake up as himself, he doesn't want to wake up at all. If he's not going to let this thing, you know, take him over, he's going to risk the surgery to cut it out, which has a extreme likelihood of either killing him or leaving him paralyzed. And he's willing to take the risk. The only problem is that asshole Kennedy uh, has different ideas. Well, first, Tilk tells them to talk to it because they go to Tilk and Tilk is a suspect now, right? So yes. they ask Tilk, let me see your well, larva. He does the puppet And he thing. shows it, and its puppet budget is not great, because they can only show it either. We had that discussion during the episode on if he squeezes it out, or how exactly he forces it Or if it, it just feels the air, and it just comes out. Like, it just feels air contact, and it's like, what's going on? I don't know. We still didn't figure out which one it was. Pro- appropriately horrific if he has to squish it out. Yes. Yeah. And then he says, well, you should talk to it. You should try to offer it a way to live because that's what it cares about. It cares about living. So you should have a conversation with it and talk to it. And you should try to make a deal. So Hammond goes, okay, we'll try and talk to it. So they go and and Kowalski's all done up in the in the bindings and on that surgery gimbal thing. Mm-hmm. And he is raised up, so he's facing them, and he's got his face in like a padded thing. Like a massage it's, table. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And then they they move it over, and, and he talks to it, and he goes, I need to speak to, to the gold. And Kowalski's like, no, I don't want to do that. And they're just like, we, we need to talk to it, son. And so then it takes over. It's a very dramatic scene where it takes over, because it's a young Gwold. It's a it's, it's not... This is the scene that I felt like was straight out of a movie that came out either that year or the previous year called uh, The Puppet Masters. It was based off the Robert Heinlein book. It had Donald Sutherland in it. But there's almost like the exact same scene because the theme of that movie is – not the theme. The plot of that movie is – very similar to the ghoul. These puppet slug aliens come down to earth, they latch onto your back, they put tentacles in your brain and they make you do things and they take you over and they're slowly taking over the entire world, right? Mm-hmm. It's a fight to stop them. But there's Animorphs. a very... Yeah, yeah. There's a very similar scene. Uh, the Heinlein book was written in the 50s and I think he basically was very upset at the makers of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers because that's basically an adaptation of that book in name only. Mm. Um but there's a scene in that movie where the protagonist, a young soldier man, is infected with the uh, slug and he's on a um, surgery table and he is switching between himself, who's begging for mercy, and this slug who is like, we will take over your world and you can't stop us. And it's it's very similar. So I'm not sure if they're directly saying, hey, you know, that scene was great for that. They may have even taken the idea of the Gould almost entirely from Robert A. Heinlein's work. Mm. It seems very possible. It's possible. they are sci- science fiction fans and I'm sure they've written one or two Twilight Zone episodes about that. I personally just every time. Not Twilight Zone. Every elements. time I think of the gold, I think of Yerks. Yes, from I Animorphs. think of slugs. Yeah, slugs. I think of I think of the, the puppet masters from the puppet masters. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. yeah. Yerks. But it is. It's a it's a good fear because like these aliens that can just can puppet you and control you and you have no control and you end up uh, uh, trapped in your own body. Yes. And in this very scene, like we see that we see the world take over and he's very high and mighty mm-hmm. and very full of himself uh, because all Gould are except for the ones that become Tokra. But the, the Gould are, are very dickish and they're like, oh, we're they also, it's established here. They inherit the genetic memory of their, yes. of their parents. Yes. Right? I mentioned that earlier yes. that they, they inherit, they have genetic memory and they remember things. So he's basically as arrogant as all of his forefathers before him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's he's all of that arrogance. So it's great to know that it's like a genetic thing that gets passed down. And uh, they have like a whole conversation with him where he goes, let me go back through the Stargate and like in this body. And they're like, no. And he goes, well, that's what I want. And 
I'm not are he's very dismissive of um what's his name? Is it Jack who tries to talk to him? Yes. And then he's like, No, I will speak to the leader of this base. He's like very full of himself. Yeah, and no, I like it that. It doesn't go well mm-hmm. uh because it ends with him almost breaking out of the restraints and uh escaping again. A massive ego is a good thing. Like, it's a fun thing to give your villain like that because, yeah. A, it, it helps them play it up and kind of, you know, I am the big villain. You but it gives ham them, it a little. But they, they have an excuse for doing so because they genuinely believe themselves as the big thing. And then it's always well done because it usually leads to their downfall. And it's always really satisfying when that mm-hmm. happens. I do like it when. It's used against them. When Gwell die. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? No, yeah. I do. I like it when Gwell die. So, yeah. So it doesn't go well. It, it doesn't end up too great. So after that, he he has he comes back like he takes back control Kowalski and he goes, what did I do, Jack? What did I do? Like, he has no idea. And he's really upset about it. And he's crying and he's appropriately horrified. And then we have a briefing scene. We cut directly from that to a briefing scene because I'm this sure like there was the a third commercial one of the break. episode. Yes, I'm sure there was a commercial break mm-hmm. in there. But we, we cut right to a briefing scene and Kennedy wants to keep the larval Gwauld that is inside of of Kowalski. Kowalski because he treats an alien eel better than Tilk. Well, I think he is more obsessed with the technology and the the tangibles of yeah, obviously. the Gwauld society. Was, I was making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's... I'm taking I like we should take it. We should let it go. And then maybe it'll help us. And it's like, no, that's stupid. And then he goes, well, I'm going to go to my superiors. And Hammond's Hammond like, you goes, do that. you can do that. I think I'll just go to the president. And Jack ha- or uh, Daniel has a line mm-hmm. in the briefing. He, he says something to remind everyone that he's there because he has nothing to do this episode. So they gave him a line. Do you think Bill Clinton calls Hammond ham dog? <laughs> Hey, ham dog. Good for to hear you from again. Oh, man, I saw you down at Camp David for that rager. It was so good. How's that? How's that star portal going? You got down there. Y'all y'all find little green ETs yet? You let me know. You have a good one, ham dog. I love you. Yeah, Hammond's just not dealing with any of Kennedy's shit. Like, Kennedy's trying to, to, and he goes, what kind of officer are you? And he goes, I beg your pardon, Colonel, and you're a general. And he goes, we are saving my officer. If there's any mm-hmm. chance of saving my officer, we're doing it. This is the, this and is they the say real it's, turning it's point It's what, like 12%? Mm-hmm. It's like a 12% chance that he'll live without being paralyzed. Yeah, Hammond, they really dropped the Hammond is the hardcore angry police chief antagonist kind of character real quick with this, right? Because he's just this is my soldier. I'm going to save his life. Go to hell with your bureaucracy. And at that moment, you're like, okay, yeah, so that character is fully on her side now. You can never really bring him back to being no that so no, they still try that's, that's why they have bit. a string of of people like kennedy coming in over time until they settle on uh kinsey and christopher mcdonald's character senator character shooter mcgavin from uh mm-hmm. no you never saw no. uh well, what about that that other major the the black site stargate teams yes that guy yes that guy's also what's his name Fuck, he's a major, right? I think so, yeah. They, and he, and, and the point is, they keep, the point is, they can't use Hammond like that anymore. Yeah, uh, which is a smart decision. Yeah. So you get these ever never ending line of politicians and career soldiers who want to like cause trouble. Yeah, because you can't just have outside conflicts. You have to have a little bit internal conflict. That's that's a good writing tip right there mm-hmm. and then so they he, he basically says I'll, I'll just call the president and we'll see who wins this argument and he's like fine right and then in that moment he's like I'm gonna fuck something up for you mm-hmm. like I'm a petty asshole and I'm gonna do something terrible and mean because I'm a jerk mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, and then it cuts immediately to Teal'c uh, helping doctors, he's letting the doctors ch- uh, test uh, anesthetic on his symbiote, which if it dies, he dies. Um, and he's just letting them do it because it'll help 
it'll help Kowalski. So he's literally the best person. Do you think he gets a buzz too? Maybe, but like, I don't think they're, cause they're not joined. They're not connected. It just lives inside. I guess they don't share like a bloodstream or like, it's not like having a newborn baby. Cause like, how does the gold must get like sustenance somehow? Probably. I don't know. Let's not get into that. I don't want to think about. <laughs> is, it, is, it like, is it like, is it like, is like, I guess they're kind of like marsupials. Jafar are basically marsupials. Yes. Yes. I think they class they could be typically classified as a marsupial. I guess. But like don't they cut open the slat for the pouch? Like the pouch is in there, but don't they like have to cut I'm not let's not worry about it right I'm now. I'm sure that'll be talked about later in great detail. <laughs> I'm sure we will. <laughs> but for now we're establishing our enemy, the enemy within. Yeah. Title and- drop. <laughs> and then after that, you get to see another Kowalski Jack best friends bonding scene. And they're like holding hands and they're they're like talking to each other. And he's like, oh, you Jack know, wants Kowalski be stereo. Yeah. Like he's cracking jokes to try and make his friend feel better before he goes in for surgery. That's probably going to kill him, according to the doctors or leave him horribly paralyzed. Yeah. And he even says he's even trying to make him feel better. And he goes, I asked the doc what the odds were and I know what's going on. So, like, you have to listen to me. And Jack says, "Okay," And they bond a little bit more. And then he goes under for the surgery. And now we get to watch like a a surgery happen. It's like watching House all over again. Yeah, which you don't see enough sci-fi medical drama, in my opinion. That's usually peppered into an episode here or there of a major franchise. Like Star Trek has a couple of them. Uh, SG-1, of course. Uh, but there's no, like, there's never been a show where it's like, these are doctors at a future hospital. Like, I think there's a medical drama in, like, one episode of Firefly when they're trying to steal that hospital stuff. Yeah. But, like, there's not never been a show about just doctors in the future. There's been a shows about lawyers in the future, which is called Century City, and it's terrible. But... I guess because people assume that in the future we'll just have snap your fingers and fix it medicine, and that's not very interesting. I don't know. I think you could have a lot of cool scenarios, like of different bugs and diseases well, like aliens. and aliens and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. It's like the Andromeda strain, which is essentially a sci fi medical drama. Yeah. And it's this is the part where they're doing the surgery and there's all these people up in the the audience area, like the big glass room. And this is the part where Daniel reminds everybody that he loves Charay. Yes. He's just like, maybe this if this works. It's in big bold Charest. letters right at the top of his character Bible. Yeah. Mrs. Charay. Love Charay. Only cares for Charay. Yeah. Must find my wife. And it's, you know, it, it stuff happens. Uh, Hammond is watching, which is really cool. Like Hammond standing there watching this big surgery go on. Uh, and all these doctors, because he says to the, the head doctor guy of the, the base, get any of the doctors you need. Like name the people you need and I will get them, which means that he woke these people up from probably like around the world, flew them to Cheyenne Mountain, made them sign a whole bunch of non-disclosure agreements next to a bunch of guys with machine guns. Yes. Told them that aliens exist and we're like, aliens exist. It's a thing that happens. We're trying to get one off of one of our officers, brought them into the operating theater. Well, like what? You have three hours to prepare for this surgery. Literally, in which we're gonna- have, that's never had, that's never worked before. And then probably like, Hey, get the two, the two or three, like really great brain surgeons that we brought in to go in and talk to our main doctor who will brief you better. Mm-hmm. And then they just assisted him. <laughs> Like these are all well. He is chief surgeon of this base, and Cheyenne Mountain is not a small base, so I assume he'd probably be pretty qualified. Yeah, he's probably very qualified, but but still, like he brought in all of these doctors, told them that aliens exist, and were like, "You have two hours to come to terms with the fact that we're not alone in the universe, and then get ready for surgery." I don't know the layout of Cheyenne Mountain because it's top secret. Nobody really does it, so (laughs) people are supposed to. But I don't know. I guarantee you, somebody on the internet has made out a detailed. Well, I don't know Cheyenne Mountain of the actual Cheyenne Mountain of or the like TV show? Of we've seen. Well, I was going to say the TV show. show because the TV show establishes something that I'm not really confident the real Cheyenne Mountain has, which is a fully functional operating theater with a viewing room. Yes. Yeah. But also it's probably in like those sub-basements where the secret stuff happens. Are they like built it that day? 
Yeah, or that. They're like, <laughs> quickly, we need an operating theater. Go. Yeah, the resources of the U.S. military. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like these poor doctors. Um, and then like, what's that dude's day like? Right. Mm-hmm. What is that doctor's day like? What's the rest Found of his out life aliens like? Happen? Yeah. Like you're just walking around knowing you're just like, aliens You go home exist. and you're like, hey, you, you don't know what you just saw. And, you're, and your, about it. your wife is like, honey, where were you? Like, we, we were really worried. And he's like, I. I can't tell you. But then SG-1 goes public in like season eight, I think, or something. Something like that. So I guess so then, then he's like, then he's, he's like, probably still not allowed to tell. Yeah, no. He's probably still not allowed to be like, yeah, I knew, I knew that aliens existed. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I knew that they were worms that could steal our bodies. I had <laughs> great time sleeping for the rest of my life. Uh, and then we find out what Kennedy's revenge is, which is he's taking Tilk. Yes. He's decided he's going to take Tilk because he wasn't allowed to have he's the taking. Is teal from going home. Yep. Um, and th- and then you get this fun scene of U.S. military m- members talking about ethics. <laughs> so that happens. Uh, and then they're, they're like talking about the ethics of letting him go and whatever. And and Hammond's all, well, I'm I can't really do it again because I already threatened to call the president once, and he's gonna get to take him. And then you find out that Kowalski. The surgery was not successful. Well, no, they kind of they head fake you at first. Yeah, they they do head because like the surgery, they pull it out. They pull out this giant snake monster. The, the kind of vector graphics they use for the, the 3D or imaging of the surgery still looks really good today. I think it mm. was nice, subtle. Yeah, but. They pull out the big thing. Uh, they cut it out. They're like, hey, it was a success. He wakes up. He's like, oh, I feel good. You know, I, I don't ha- I have a full function of my legs and my fingers and my hands and stuff. I can move around. I just want a little bit of water. Um, and then everybody's real happy. It's, you know, it worked. We all are convinced that, you know, Kowalski saved. Yay. And then he is recovering and he wants to meet Talk to Teal'c. Teal'c because he, because knows- he finds out Teal'c's leaving. Yes. Teal'c's being taken away. So he goes, I want to talk to my friend Tilk. And then they're standing there. He's got two officers standing there and he goes, I can make it in order if that makes you feel better. And so they turn around and leave Tilk alone with him. And then he attacks. Yes. Because he's well, secretly he does, he does the emperor thing where he's like, uh, join me, Tilk. Work Teal. for me. Be my man. And then, my and then he's prime. Yeah. And then he's like, no, thanks. And then he goes, <laughs> then die. <laughs> Which is, you know, expect lightning to shoot out of his hands at but that point. But it doesn't, because he doesn't have a ribbon device with him. No, he just he just chokes. He is He's just a straight-up meat puppet now, so he chokes. Apparently, he, he says here that the snake that they pulled out, the ghoul that they pulled out, was it's actually a just a skin. shed husk. Yeah, because and they And the shed. true ghoul are, like, basically a small bean-sized thing that lodges itself into the middle of your brain. That's why they're hard to, like, get out. Oh, is that what he said? Well, no, that's what they established later with the when you see it fall out of his head. Yeah. It's basically the size of like a bean, which is, is different from the puppet masters because the puppet masters are giant slugs that you can very clearly see on your back. And in the book, it just causes everybody to have to go around naked all yeah, the time. Yeah, see, at least yurks are not visible on your back. Yeah. Like, yurks are inside your brain, wrapped around your brainstem, controlling your body and making you do Or stuff. like the, um, the monsters from TNG's Conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit like those, but you can still see those. Oh, right, because of the tubes on the back of the Yeah, you can yes. still see those. You can't see yurts and you can't see guawul. So Except for the glowing eyes. Yeah, but they control when they do that, or when they get really angry, they do that. 90% of the time, if you had a really good actor as a guawul, you could have someone be infiltrated in your 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 military thing. Yeah, which is something they don't really take advantage of much, because I, I don't there's- think... I think we should be wary about saying that because there are so many seasons and I haven't seen all of them. So mm-hmm. I wonder, I haven't seen like the whole. I don't think they really bring that up much. It's certainly not a major plot point like it was in DS9 with the changelings where it was a big plot point through a lot of that series that just anybody could be a changeling all of a sudden. So, oh no, he's possessed and he's attacking people and he heads towards the... Yeah, he heads towards the gate room. He wants, he goes into the command center and he he hurts the Chevron guy. Yeah, Teal pursues at an angry saunter. Yes, he just, he's in no rush. He's just just, just mm-hmm. I'm. I'll get there. 
I'll just stop him when I get there. Yeah. Let him open the Stargate. That scene is so cool, though, when he comes yes. to the Stargate. And then he turns on the the self-destruct, mm-hmm. which he would only know if he could access Kowalski's memories, which means Kowalski's like still in there. And which is rough. And yeah, they they fight and Tilk both does and does not have Worf syndrome. Yes, that's I was thinking the same thing. Absolutely. Yes, he has it when he first gets attacked because he wasn't like expecting it. He thought the guy was fine. And then he does not in this final fight where he's kicking a lot of ass and holding his own. Yeah, this is. And he doesn't just get knocked unconscious to show how awesome the Gwauld is. This is the first moment, too, in the series where they do establish Tilk as a badass a physical threat right yeah, because in, in the last episode he just shot everybody and he didn't really like he just kind of stood around this is the first episode where you're like oh no teal can kick ass yeah no armor he's just wearing like a jumper like mm-hmm. a onesie that they gave him no, i thought he was just wearing like shirts and pants but no he's wearing like a oh like yeah he's a, in a onesie yeah. yeah he's wearing like a onesie and he's got no armor on and he's got no weapons and he's in hand-to-hand physical combat and he's kicking growled butt yeah and no they're struggling awesome. And this, the Stargate's a really great backing, like the Event Horizon is really great backing for the fight because it's got this unearthly glow to it. So it, it kind of shines off of them while they're fighting. It's really great. And then he grabs him and he shoves his head down and Jack goes, Teal, hold him there. And then they shut the gate off and it cuts off the top of his head. That is Awesome. It's a that brutal is, way to I go. think that's the most brutal thing. One of the most brutal things we see in Stargate history. It's really cool. You do get a quick shot of like his head as he turns around and it's like it's just basically just the cutoff flat. gross. Yeah. It's just flat. But it is it is really well done because we've already established that like the Stargate will vaporize anything that's like left in it. And it's it's creepy and it's gross. And when the thing falls out and frizzles up, it looks almost exactly like TNG's conspiracy. A little, but, yeah. yeah. But it is like this little small bean creature that just dies instantly, which is cool. And yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's because Jack's basically like the you one where he's like shut the next it down. Generation. Not everyone knows what TNG means. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yes. Monday is on CBS. He talks about it a lot. So the ghoul dies. Yep. They flash forward. Jack's upset about Kowalski, but he's looking forward to the future. I like this arc in this episode uh, for Jack, where it's basically he loses an old friend, but gains a new one. Yes, that is the arc. Because he gets Teal'c at the end, and Hammond basically tells Kennedy to fuck off. Well, he says that he phoned the president. And the the Bill Clinton was like, what's that, ham dog? (laughs) Oh, you want that alien on your team, and this guy Kennedy wants you to take him, wants to take him away? You know, I saw that guy Kennedy having lunch with Newt, that silver-haired bastard. I hate him. <laughs> no, no worries, man. You got my back in ham dog. I'll see you in Tampa next weekend. Ham dog. He golfs with the president just yeah. regularly. He's yeah. just like, I hate the nickname, but you can't really tell the president no. So... <laughs> It's better than oh it's better God. than when Bush got appointed and Bush started calling. Maybe that's why he left because Bush started calling him like I don't know Turd Mound or something. Because that's like you know Bush had those nicknames. He called uh, Rumsfeld oh, Turd Blossom, I think. Turd Blossom. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah no, I wouldn't want to. He was like, for bring me guy. back the days of Ham Dog. I, I miss Ham Dog. <laughs> he just occasionally goes golfing with with Bill Clinton because he's just like I miss Ham Dog. Yeah. I want to go back to when I was a Ham Dog, and he's just like, hey Ham Dog, and he's like, oh God, it's so much better. <laughs> poor Hammond. He's just made poor Hammond just like so beguiled by the president. It's mm. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I'll, I'll come meet you. I'll come meet you in. Um, I'll come meet you in Palm Springs on the course there, Bill. No, no, I, I, I'm not going to fly with Jeffrey. I'll take my own flight. Oh my god! <laughs> oh god! Okay, I'm going to skip right over that. Uh, yeah, Daniel had literally nothing to do with this episode. No, he had nothing to do in this episode. He just stood around, said a couple lines, and talked about how much he missed. Well, Charlie. because he's not an expert on the Gould, so he has nothing to contribute to the conversation. He could have been kidnapped. That could have been what he yeah. did this episode. Sam is like at least a, a half medical professional, so she has more to say about the medical things that are going on, and she has more dialogue about that. But like he's he's just he's not a medical guy, so he has nothing to say about that situation. So which is why he should have been kidnapped. Yeah. 
<laughs> he literally would have given him something to do. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just there this episode because they're like, we need to put this team together, which means we need to focus on Jack and Teal because that's clearly the best kind of relationship we got going for Teal right now. So we got to focus on Jack and Teal a bit more. So this is going to be a mostly Jack episode, a whole bunch of Kowalski who who dies and a whole bunch of Teal because we're bringing Teal in as his new bud. Yes. Um, Which it's great. It does a great job. And they say, fuck you, Kennedy. I called the president and you can fuck off. And then you get a group gate shot of all of them in front of the yeah, gate. Yeah, they all, they're all walking towards the gate. And he's in his outfit. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, and he tells, he, he's like instructing Teal, Jack's instructing Teal on how to uh, refer to the general. He's just oh, like, sir, yeah. yeah, sir. And he goes, sir. And it's like, oh, Teal, I love you. And it's just great. Great. And it really builds you up. It's such a nice ending. It's it too is. bad the next episode's such a letdown. Uh, I'm going to talk about like immediately we will, stalling after a thunderous will, start. We will talk about episode four. Yeah. We will have a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a good one. I can't believe I have to watch this episode again for the second time in like three years. Mm. I hate this episode so much. I skip it on my rewatch. But I tell you what I don't hate, and that's episode three, The Enemy Within. I love it. I thought it yes. was, it's, I actually think I like it more than the first two episodes. We were rating it Stargate one to five, right? Yes. SG one to five, and five is the best because we're not going to be confusing. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do you rate it? from from one to five this is a straight five this is their first like perfect episode yeah i agree mm-hmm. i i would say this is a five for me it sets up so much it it pays off a lot of stuff it defines the world it, it gives your characters a bit t- more time to breathe and grow you know what i'll knock off a point five because daniel does nothing yeah but i don't know if he needed to do anything I, but if it's going to be the episode where the crew comes together, where like, this is our episode where now we're a team. He should have had something. Mm-hmm. He's like, a, he's all about ancient cultures and stuff. Why didn't you have a scene where he's talking to Teal? One of the advantages I think about one of the reasons I think that they, they focus on Teal and Jack and Kowalski in this episode, mostly Teal and Jack is because a Teal's a brand new character. So we want to establish him and Jack is essentially a brand new character because yeah, he's, 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 he's not like Kurt Russell's character at all. So we have to establish him. Michael Shanks is still very close to the movie version of Daniel Jackson, right now. who also got a lot to do in the first couple episodes as well. So yeah, but like he's all about ancient history and ancient mm-hmm. like cultures. He should be the person who's really into talking to Tilk about his culture and like what like in that scene where Kennedy's sitting there talking, why couldn't you have just a couple moments of Daniel being really excited and going, well, what is Jaffa? What would you translate Jaffa to? Like, what does it translate to in your tongue? Or like, oh, what you know, oh, you believe them gods blah, blah, blah. Like if he had had more to do in that scene, at least then it would have shown like, yeah, I'm sad about my wife, but also I love ancient history and stuff. You could have really easily thrown some lines in that scene or given a short scene between him and Teal'c where he says, you know, what, what do you think of Earth so far? And he goes, I haven't seen any of it. I've been in a prison cell. I and guess, he goes, yeah. well, I just, uh, let me show you some Earth things. I just think the, the episode was appropriately focused. I do. I just wish there had been a little bit more for mm-hmm. Daniel to do. And that's what keeps it from being absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know what? Here, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a 4.8. Sure. <laughs> Splitting hairs there, but okay. Well, th- that's literally my only quibble. And it's a quibble. And I will admit it's a quibble. But it's also what's, like. What's SG 4.8 do? SG 4.8 does. Do all they just of go the like restock? Yeah, they restock SG, the concessions. SG 4. Or, yeah. <laughs> it's just one guy yeah and he calls himself he's their no- he's their noob noob oh no not noob noob <laughs> now you've made this guy's life sad he has to clean up all the God diarrhea damn. yeah i i thoroughly enjoy this episode it's very close to perfect i just wish there'd been more daniel mm-hmm. yeah and i'm sad to see kowalski go i'm sad to see that actor not be able to continue because he really added a lot to the character uh i you know, 
I think I also really enjoy the lighting in this episode. Yeah. There's a lot of moments where everybody is really well lit and dramatically lit. Uh, I enjoy one of the things I enjoy about like these kind of sci-fi things, Star Trek and, and SG-1 and whatnot, is when they really get into like the procedurals of these operations, you know, the yeah, details how, of how, how works. stuff works. And this episode has a lot of that. Uh-huh. I personally really like your your Jack and Tilt character development. Mm-hmm. I'm all about characters and I'm all about story. I love like good characters. Good foreshadowing really gets me. And there's not a lot of foreshadowing in this show because it's very episodic and it's, it's hard. On the fly a little bit. Yeah, and it's harder to do foreshadowing in the show. But what it lacks for in my absolute favorite writing technique, it makes up for in these characters that I love. And I've loved these characters since I was in elementary school and I still like them now. I still love Tilk. I'm like watching Tilk and go, no, I'm still thoroughly. Even though everybody's not 100% there there yet. yet. They're not quite there yet. They're still plucking their way through what the right notes are for these characters. And, but once they hit their stride, it's Tilk being Spock in this episode yes. is a very he's prominent very example. Spock-like. Yeah. He's not quite as Spock-like because he does have like a have emotions and he says like that he has emotions. But he's very measured and tonal. And, and he's deadpan and he's like, I am a control character. Whereas like later he starts putting slightly different inflections on what he says and you can tell how Teal's feeling. Yes. And then later on he's crying and he's very upset because the show makes men cry and I love that. I love mm-hmm. I love it. I love men being vulnerable with each other yes do more of that tv mm-hmm. and this was in the 90s 97 yes this episode aired august 1st 1997 like ugh, come on man more of that mm-hmm. i want more of that and i just it was a thoroughly enjoyable episode from start to finish and i i don't have any real issues even your like antagonist was good because it was Kennedy. Kennedy was your antagonist. The worm was your antagonist, but also Kennedy was your antagonist. Yes. So that was really satisfying to see having him be a real big dick bag. And, yep. Oh, I hate you. You suck. Yep. He's even in like really dark shadows. Mm-hmm. And when you first in, like see him, like he's freaking Voldemort or Palpatine. He's like, I am in the shadows. He's I played by one of those everyman actors that you see playing the bad guy a lot. Yeah. <laughs> He's one of those that guys where you're like, oh, yeah, you play an asshole quite often. Yeah, you play that uh, bad guy in this mm-hmm. show and this show. Do you know and, any and, of the yeah, shows he played a, bad guys in? Off the top of my head, no. But I wouldn't be surprised if there was a Star Trek in there somewhere. I wouldn't um, be surprised if there was a leverage in there somewhere. Like if he kept acting. Yeah. I loved uh, I loved Ham Dog this episode. He really stood up for his team. Ham Dog. That's Is not that going away. Happening? That's not going away now. Okay. Every time he mentions the president, I'm going to imagine him Ham talking. Dog. Until we get to uh, January 1st, 2000. And then, and then it's and then it's George W. George W. George W. And then your impression will change. I don't know if I have a good George George W. impression. Oh, I'm sure hey, you'll. I'm I'm George W. Hey. <laughs> laugh was good the the, the thing about the Stargate is fool me once shame on you fool me twice Stargate won't fool me again (laughs) now what we're gonna deal with this Google threat and keep our American citizens safe now watch this drive alright on that note (laughs) I think it's time to wrap it up because He's going to just start going through presidents now. He's going to start doing his Obama next. I don't think SG-1 survived into Obama. No, but I'm sure that you can just keep going with this bit. Mm -hmm. Just, oh, President Obama with the Stargate. Mm -hmm. But don't do that. Because don't do that. Yeah. Well, we have still many more Clinton impressions to get through. Uh, But next month, we are dealing with Stargate SG-1 Episode 4, appropriately titled Emancipation. This is... Is it? Yeah, this is where the SG SG crew wanders yet again through the woods of Vancouver and (laughs) comes across a tribe made up almost entirely of racist and misogynistic tropes. It's going to be fun. All right. Yay. Well, uh, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Uh, I've had a lot of fun talking about a really great episode of SG-1. I highly recommend everybody watch this one. Yes, this is one that you don't skip on the rewatch. No, no. This is one you watch. But I have been Chris. 
And I'm Tamara. And this is Stargating, part of That's a Space Station Productions. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe if you enjoy this content. You can also check out our YouTube channel uh, listed usually in the descriptions below through SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Podbay FM, and SoundCloud, as well as... Oh, Spotify. Spotify. Yes. Uh, so you can listen to us on any one of those streaming services. If you're on iTunes, leave a review. That'll really help us out and help the channel grow. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. But thank you again for listening to Stargating and have a good journey. Bye. Bye.